Welcome to another episode of First Time Bible Teacher, a podcast designed to help you learn to teach the Bible, starting with the very basics. In this episode, we talk about emotionally aware teaching. The people you get to speak to carry all kinds of burdens with them. If we aren't aware of the needs of our audiences, we may end up doing more harm than good. In this episode, we'll discuss the balance of emotion and truth in teaching, as well as point out practical ways to incorporate this balance into your teachings. Let's dive in. In most churches, we put a heavy emphasis on joy in any of our worship services. The church that my wife and I attend here in Southern California literally sang a song this morning where the chorus was just repeating the phrase, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And this is by no means a knock on any church that uses songs that say that phrase specifically. It's biblically true. We should sing that and think on that. But being involved in worship for a long time, one of the things that I've noticed and have talked about with a lot of other people involved in worship is that many of the songs we sing in church really are focused on the theme of joy. They're very upbeat. They're very trying to be fun. Um, They are really focused on, we want to have a joyful uh, time as we're gathered together in church. And that's a great thing. The joy of the Lord is our strength. That's biblically true. Because of what Jesus has done for us, Christians can be the most joyful people in all the world. And that's something that should be reflected in the way that we sing and the way that we think and the way that we go about our church services. The thing we need to remember, though, is most people don't show up feeling that way. Most people show up not just super happy, clappy, ready to go immediately. There's normally some warm-up time that needs to happen because they're coming out of sleeping past their alarm and getting into, you know, a fight about getting to church on time or being upset with somebody in the parking lot or getting caught in traffic or, you know, not getting their coffee the way they thought they were going to get. They're coming in with all of these different distracting things. They're coming in and, and those are just the trivial ones. They may be coming in with some things that are distracting them from seeing the joy of the Lord clearly because they have real legitimate burdens in their life, because they have real problems going on, that the fact that you sang a song about God's joy moving into people's hearts doesn't mean that their relative is less sick or that their finances are suddenly better or whatever their specific problem might be. You see, our people are coming in with all kinds of different thoughts and burdens and issues, and to minister to people well we need to be willing to go to them. It can't be on them to change their mood to match us as the leaders and Bible teachers. It needs to be on us to go match their mood and not match for the sake of just commiserating and leaving people where they are, but rather being the ones to say, I will change where I'm at to meet you so that we can go somewhere together. I won't just demand that you show up and match the mood that I want you to arrive at. I'm rather going to be willing to meet you exactly where you are so that we can then go on this journey towards wholeness in Christ together. 
you know, some people when it comes to Bible teaching or anything, as soon as they even hear the idea of emotions get brought up, they get really rigid and and adamant of what we need is not emotional. What we need is truth. And and they just double down on the idea of if, if what you're teaching is true, it doesn't matter what people feel about it. And to some degree, I get that. And, and I'm definitely not trying to say that the idea of emotionally aware teaching is to replace biblically true teaching. But everything I'm going to say in this episode is assuming that your first commitment is teaching the truth of the Bible. But if you want to teach the truth of the Bible in a way that's going to matter to people, you need to think about what they're feeling. You need to think about how are they going to process and interpret this truth that I'm trying to give to them. Because if they're super caught up on some emotional hang-up to the point where they're not going to hear half the truth of this message, then it's not really making a difference. And to some degree, that's always going to be on individuals, but it can't be something that we entirely ignore and say, my only job is to teach truth and it doesn't matter how you hear it. No, your job as a Bible teacher is to communicate effectively. And that means taking the rich biblical truths that we have passed down to us from generations of old and delivering them in ways that people are going to be ready to hear and that they're actually going to change from. So not to replace truth, but to make truth as effective as it can possibly be. So when it comes to this idea of emotionally aware teaching, what, what are a couple things to keep in mind? Because this isn't really a checklist of things you can do. This isn't like um, crafting an interesting introduction where you can kind of check off boxes of, okay, I had the hook, I had you know a couple other things. This isn't really that. This is more a mindset we need to keep with all of our teaching. This is a, a bigger framework of thinking when it comes to teaching the Bible. So Really, what I have for you is some things to consider when it comes to being an emotionally aware teacher, and then a few practical ways that you can teach with emotions in mind. So, some things to consider right off the bat. The first is remember that the crowd you're teaching, they are more diverse than you think they are. It's easy to assume. Everyone showing up to church, everyone part of that youth group, everyone who has gathered together because they want to study the Bible, they generally believe the same thing. They generally think the same stuff. They generally have the same backgrounds and experiences. And and to some degree, that's true and that's valid. Uh, Very few non-Christians are going to have a really good understanding of the Michael W. Smith catalog. Like that, that's just probably not going to happen. There, there are a lot of things that Christians share in common simply because they're Christians. That being said, they're not all showing up in the same place. They're showing up with very different life circumstances. They're showing up with very different burdens. They're showing up perhaps even with different desires for what's going to happen in that service. Some people may just want to show up because it makes them feel like they're okay with God, and then they want to go back to living their life however they want to live. Some people are showing up because they're desperate, and they really need something. Some people are showing up looking for answers, and they need to know why a good, loving God would allow whatever it is that's going on in their lives. People are showing up carrying all kinds of burdens that you can't see. And if your tone to them is just a demand that they should be joyful, 
they may not be ready to hear that. The diverse life circumstances that these people may have may prevent them from being ready to hear the joy that God wants to present to his people. And I'm saying this keeping fully in mind that I believe God does want to present joy to his people. I think that that is a helpful destination to keep in mind. It may not be the destination for each service, but it is the destination that God has for his people. But if you forget the diversity of the crowd, if you forget that they're coming from different places than you might be coming from, you may end up skipping this altogether. So really consider your people. Think about where they might be coming from. Think about the kinds of burdens that might be in the room. Just start pulling up some statistics about different uh, life-impacting events that may be happening in your congregation. Just pull up the statistics around child abuse or around divorce, or around pornography use. You know, there's all sorts of different stats that you can look at that it's easy to just say, well, those things are happening somewhere else. Statistically, they're not. And keep those things in mind, because some of those things may be happening in the people that you're teaching regularly, and you just may not know that those burdens are walking in and walking out every time you teach. We need to keep that diversity in mind. Secondly, we need to remember people generally feel like God doesn't like them. Generally, if you're just starting from the jump, everybody feels some sense of internal brokenness. No one really feels like they are the perfect ones who have it all together. And if they feel that, generally they're trying to just keep the facade going. When you're trying to teach to the idea that God wants people to feel accepted by him, find peace in him, and experience joy that comes from him. That's kind of like asking a fish to breathe air. It's such, it's such a different mindset than most people bring to their relationship with God or their thinking about God that you just need to remember how big a span you're actually looking to bring people through. If you don't have people's internal guilt in mind, you may wind up piling onto it. If you don't remember that some of the sins that you're going to really rail against in your teaching, they're not just happening in the culture, they're happening in your church. If you forget that, you may wind up hurting your people because they already feel guilty for it. They may already feel like God doesn't want to forgive them, and you're going to reinforce that accidentally. So you got to be really careful. You need to remember people's default position. Generally, they feel like God is at best uninterested in them. At worst, he's angry at them. And knowing that that's your starting point is really important because it informs the way that you walk people through the process of, yes, you were once enemies with God, but now you don't have to be because God wants to bring peace between you and him. So remember where people are starting from. It's really helpful in thinking the thoughts that they might have. Last thing to remember before we get into the practical, remember that emotional barriers stop genuine faith. I don't think most of the unbelief in the world has to do with a lack of knowledge. At the very least, I should say, I don't think most of the unbelief in America has to do with lack of knowledge. Uh, Increasingly, people know less and less about Jesus, less and less about the Bible, all that. There's stats that you can look up surrounding that. Most people still 
get the general idea of Christianity, that there's a God and he loves us and he wants, you know, to bring us out of the brokenness of sin and into the wholeness of life with him. People have some kind of idea of that. The thing is, through emotional barriers, they give up real belief. You know, I used to believe that what would really change the world is if somebody put together the perfect evangelical PowerPoint presentation. Because if we just had the perfect evangelist giving the perfect sermon so that everyone could have the perfect knowledge, everyone would get saved. And the problem is, most of the unbelief that I think we see around us comes from people feeling like their life isn't right. Feeling like if God was really on their side, or if God was really for them, things wouldn't be as messed up as they are right now. And that could be globally, but more specifically, that could be in their own lives. When we completely ignore the emotional barriers that people put up between them and God, and we just try to convince them of the logical argument for faith, we ignore the thing that's actually stopping them from coming to faith. So this is a really important area to think about. This is a really important thing to try to wrap your mind around. We don't get the luxury of ignoring the emotional component of people as we teach to them because it could be the thing making the biggest influence on their decision to believe or not to believe or to continue walking with God or to metaphorically throw the towel in and kind of move on from their relationship with God. So this is really big level stuff. This is really high level thinking. Just a couple quick practical ways. I'll give you three of them. First, a practical way to bring this into your teaching. Think about the hurts that people might read into your statements or your illustrations. So an example, there is nothing wrong with using the illustration of God as our father and using the illustration of God as a loving father and a caring father and a father who, when he comes home home from work, he's ready to play catch with you. And when he um, hears you're upset in the middle of the night, he comes and comforts you. There's nothing wrong with using those illustrations. We just need to remember not everyone we're teaching to has the earth example that makes the heavenly image make sense to them. A lot of people have had terrible fathers. And when you teach the idea of God as a loving father, you're teaching something totally true, but you're teaching something very foreign to them. They are bringing the hurts of their real life into that illustration, making that illustration a little less accessible. Again, it doesn't mean you stop teaching it. It means you keep in mind that that's a truth that's going to be hard for some of your people to access, which means you just acknowledge that. You own up to the fact that not everyone is going to be able to jump right in and understand that illustration perfectly, but make sure there are other ways that you help those people access that idea. You know, while while biblically we read the phrase of God as a loving father, we also see him talked about as our friend, if we believe. Maybe they've had healthy friendships and helpful friendships. Um, We see all kinds of illustrations about God as just caring for us even greater than earthly parents care for us. Bring in some of those other ideas to round out that illustration so that a potential past hurt doesn't stop someone from being able to access it. That's the first practical way to teach with emotions in mind. The second practical way to teach like this is acknowledge how hard your applications actually are. 
one of the, the toughest things to tell people to do is to forgive people. It's one of the toughest commandments for people to follow. We know we should be forgiving. We know that bitterness is a, a bad thing in our lives, and yet we find it so difficult to actually do it. So if forgiveness can be tough, if we can all admit that forgiveness is a difficult thing to do, don't you dare make it sound easy. Just don't do it. That's, that's hurting people when you make it sound like forgiveness should be super easy. What you're making those people hear is you're the wrong and broken one because you're so emotionally charged right now that you're, you aren't willing to obey. No, acknowledge all the hurt. Acknowledge the pain. Acknowledge the real feelings. You may find that by doing that, you actually bring people closer to obedience rather than pushing them further away. So acknowledge where they really are. Own how difficult that application is going to be for them and then help show them that there's a path forward. Because for every difficult thing God calls us to do, he gives us the strength to do. So remind your people that, yes, this will be difficult, but God cares for you. And that's the third practical thing that I would bring up. Remind your people that God really cares about their emotions. It's easy for people to think God is only after our obedience. He just cares if we do the right stuff. And the thing is, that's just not true. God cares about creating whole people, people who are whole and safe and complete in him. And he wants to help people get there. And that includes reshaping the emotional hurts that they've had in the past. That includes helping them live lives of obedience. But most of all, what that means is living lives that are whole in Christ. Not through our effort or our accomplishments or anything like that, but just in the peace we find from following after God. God really cares for the whole person. And if he cares that way, we should care that way too. When we teach in ways that are emotionally aware. We don't leave truth at the door. Instead, we help truth go further into the heart, and we help bring people to a place where they're ready to trust Jesus more with everything that they are. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the First Time Bible Teacher Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, please make sure that you're subscribed to this feed and please leave a rating or a review. Those things go a long way in helping get the word out and they make me feel good on the inside. So help me out with that. That'd be nice. Be emotionally aware of who your host is as a person. This podcast is part of the Good Lion Podcast Network. You can find all the work that we're doing on our website, goodlion.io. You can also follow the network on Instagram at goodlion.io. You'll get episode art for all the new podcast episodes that are coming out, particularly uh, for the Good Lion podcast that I run with my good buddy, Aaron Salvato. You can follow all that on Instagram and you can follow this podcast, First Time Bible Teacher on Instagram by simply searching at First Time Bible Teacher. It's a really creative name. I know. May God bless you in your teaching. We'll see you next time.